Snowball Spa. You want good words? Data language. Talk real sports with a real man. Come after me. I'm a man. I'm 40. And now, here's the be-all, end-all, know-it-all of high school, college, and pro sports. Aaron Skinny Cow with the Skinny on Sports. We're talking about practice, man. I'm the MVP. And good Thursday morning out there, Western Oklahoma. Welcome to the Skinny on Sports right here on 98.1 FM, the Sports Animal. Glad to have you along for the next hour. We're on the road again today down at Poppy's Pit and Grill. That's at the intersection of Highway 152 and Highway 6, just off the east side of the road at Poppy's. They've got breakfast, lunch, and dinner. We'll be telling you about the lunch special coming up, uh, all the great things you can still get for breakfast right here at Poppy's Pit and Grill. As I said, glad to have you along for the next hour. Uh, pretty football-centric in the middle and the end of the show. Uh, but, of course, uh, today's a huge day in the fall sports landscape all across the state of Oklahoma with the Class A, uh, actually 3A through B, fast-pitch tournaments uh, starting the state tournaments at Hall of Fame Stadium. You've got A and B fall baseball state tournaments starting today. And then, of course, the big schools, the 4A through 6A, uh, have the uh, fast-pitch regionals, which, of course, Elk City, Weatherford, Clinton, all involved in. We'll tell you all about that as we move along right here at the first of the show. Also, uh, college football uh, with the Red River Shootout coming up on Saturday. I'm going to try to get Jared to, um, to give me a scenario in which Oklahoma's not winning the game, just in the game. Uh, talk about the Oklahoma State, Texas Tech, that series, and then things from around the country. <clears throat> it's amazing where college game day is today are going to be on Saturday versus what we thought with the games around the country. Uh, so lots of college football to be talked about. Also, as I've gotten myself immersed in this walleye fishing cheating scandal, I've heard more stories uh, of cheating and fishing. And there's a bass fisherman that did some cheating <clears throat> about 20 years ago. And the story of how he cheated and, the, and, and whether or not it is even cheating but that story is unbelievable. It's going to blow your mind what he did and, and the links that he went <laughs> to be able to win a bunch of bass fishing tournaments all right in a row uh, is just astounding. Uh, so that's what we've got on our minds. Feel free to chime in. 225-9698 is the phone or the text line. That's 225-9698. Give us a call, shoot us a text. We can talk about any of those things. Whatever else might be on your mind, feel free to chime in. 225 225- Nine six nine eight. If you're going to be outside the listening area, there are a couple of ways to stay in touch with the show. You can log on to kadsam.com. You can download the Paragon Communications app. That app has everything. Three radio stations uh, here in Elk City. It's got the Penny News. Brand new edition of the Penny News is out and about. Matter of fact, I, I saw the as I walked in here at Poppy's. There's a bunch of Penny News sitting over there, ready for somebody to gobble up and check out all the brand new deals. Uh, this week inside that Penny News. Big Elk TV and Paragon TV are also within the app. You can watch all kinds of live video streaming uh, of high school sports. We've got Elk City uh, softball coming up today at 2 o'clock against Chickasha. They'll play two games no matter what, uh, so you get a chance to watch the Elkheads in the 4A regional softball tournament today. You've got Hollis tonight, Paragon TV, Hollis versus Laverne. Uh, on a Thursday night uh, at 7 o'clock, so you can watch the Tigers in their first Class B District 1 game. Then, of course, tomorrow, uh, Merritt and Birds Flat, also the Big Elks down at Cash. So that's all incorporated in that app. And then if you miss our show entirely, you can go back and check it out online at kadsam.com or iTunes. Skinny on Sports podcast is available each and every 
day. Good morning, Jared. Good morning. How are you? Man, I'm doing good. How are you? I'm fantastic, man. Beautiful weather outside. It's it's. Uh, I'm loving this weather. Loving this weather. I, I was hoping we might see some sprinkles come on. Did you get anything Sarahway? I wasn't home. I kept until getting alerts on my a phone a little bit later. Yeah, but I didn't get any. Nothing. No. Golly, look at. Have you looked at the forecast for Saturday? Around high these of, parts. High of 59. Wow, 50% chance of moisture of some time. What about Sunday? 60% chance? Back up to 72. I'm, I'm, Jimmy was telling me, of course, Jimmy. Oh, Jimmy. Jimmy. What the Farmer Almanac say? He was telling me <laughs> there's going to be a bunch of chances of rain next week as well, so I immediately looked at Thursday just for our purposes of the Big oh, Oaks of Chickasha. It looks to be nice, at least right now, but as we know, that the weather the forecast probably, can change. probably worth mentioning our next – after Friday, the next two Thursdays two will be football games. Drive. Chickasha and then at, ooh, at Weatherford. Weatherford. Yeah. Yeah, so, but you got to kind of hammer that in your head. But, yeah, this weather's great. I love this kind of weather. You know, it's, it, it's amazing how fast it cools off because by the afternoon, it'll be mid-70s sure. to maybe 80. Yeah. But then, you know, you're used to it kind of lingering throughout the evening in the summertime. Mm -hmm. where it's still kind of hot. That goes away pretty quickly no, right, right about when now. When that sun goes down, and if, even if there's any kind of a breeze in any direction, it's a little cool breeze. I love that feeling. And what my dad would say, he loves this weather because that means deer season's right around the corner. It's archery already. Youth, uh, a youth hunt starts next weekend and or next week, and my, my kid's going to be a part of that. Yeah, so I love this type of weather. Oh, yeah, there will be all kinds of archery out there on Saturday morning with lows or highs in the 50s. Mm -hmm. Lows got to be in the 40s, don't they? Oh, they'll Looks be like, moving. They move in this cold weather. Yeah, Saturday morning, 45 to 59, then 49 on Sunday morning. You absolutely. Yeah. Look out, Bambi. Here come arrows. Yeah, which, which again, I mean, another thing I put out there is when they start moving this time of year, be careful driving at night and in the morning, dusk and dawn. Uh, just ask a certain coach at Merritt Way about those deer moving around. Be careful out there. Have I ever told you my um, my my deer hunting philosophy? No. Or, or, or how this thing goes? No. Okay, so you know, there's there's a lot of guys around. You know, guys that deer hunt. You might I'm you sure. know your dad. It's one yeah. of them. I'm just sure of it. I go. My father-in-law is. You yeah. go hunting. Yeah. I wonder, do, do, should we really call it hunting the way a lot of people do it now? Okay. Now you're, I see where you're going. I see where you're going. Should we call it hunting? What do you call it? Well, I would compare it to this. Let's say you were kind enough, starting in about, I don't know, now it seems like it's year-round, but let's say starting like August 1st. Mm -hmm. You call me up and you say, Aaron, I've got you a nice juicy ribeye cooked. Why don't you come over and eat with us? And I go, what time? And you say, I don't know, 530. I say, great, I'll be there. <laughs> so you call me every day for about a week and a half for 530 ribeyes. Okay. And I come every time. Well, then I get, so, I get myself so trained to come over and eat a ribeye steak from you at 530 that I just start walking in and sitting down at the table and eating a ribeye every <laughs> single day for about, oh, I don't know, two and a half months. It ends up being about three and a half months, all the way through August, all the way through September, right. all the way through October. And then about halfway through November, I walk through, I'd walk through the door and you blow my head off. <laughs> now, did you hunt me 
or did you just feed me and then shoot me? One would say that's a part of hunting. That's part of the part of the sport. Yeah, I don't know if that's right. You, what do you want? You want us crawling in the ground? Absolutely. Yeah. Have you watched Go, the, tracking you watched the, a deer? You know the meat eater? Have you ever seen the meat eater on Netflix? Uh, Steve Ernella mentioned it. No, is now, dude that guy hunts? <laughs> he is out there in the elements, having a camp. Uh, sure. And not okay. a. And I'm talking about a tent. Yeah. Now that guy does some hunting. Okay. Let's stick with this this topic. <laughs> so the fishing. You got to go straight to yes. I've I already had a the, text that said you're anxious to, the to hear this. Yes. Okay, so the fishing story. Yeah. Well, here you go. Text I just got. It's only a sport when the deer also has a gun. Oh, give me a break. <laughs> okay, so the fishing deal. I, I, we, we heard him out the walleye guys getting caught, wrapping up fish fillets and and lead weights and putting them into the walleye that they caught, and they get they they, they get in trouble. And right. They, they get discovered cheating. All went viral at, and at the weigh-in. Right. Okay, so as I was you know kind of reading stories about that and then listening to other stories, this guy I can't Randy. Um, Blauknet, maybe I can't. I can't pronounce his last name. Anyway, he's he's a long time. You can tell he's like a bass fisherman. He goes goes around to these tournaments and whatnot. And so he's telling a story about bass fishing cheating scandals that have happened in the past. And he said this was about twenty years ago. So this guy, uh, he, he he wouldn't say his name. He was like, all you gotta do is do a little research, and everybody will know who it is. So he was talking about. He came out of nowhere. Like this guy comes out of nowhere. He said he think he's from Alabama, if you remember right. And so he's fishing on kind of, you know, like the, the single A tour of the fishing. He's not clear to the Bassmaster Classic or anything yet, but he's, and he's like winning every one of these. And he's the, you know, the 10 of the 15 tournaments, he's got the big bass. Even if he doesn't win, he's like in the top two or three. And so he moves up the next year to, you know, the next tour up. Uh-huh. And he kind of does the same thing. And he ends up winning the, the Angler of the Year or whatever, which was like a $100,000 payout. And so at that point, now he's going to go on the FLW Tour, which is just below Bassmasters or Bass. Okay. You know? So the Corn Ferry of Pretty fishing. much. Okay. Yeah, like AAA. Gotcha. And so, and sure enough, he, he says at the, end of the first, at the end of the year before where he was the, the, the guy, the, the Angler of the Year, he tells these guys that will listen, he says, I'm going to be the angler of the year on the FLW tour next year. And they're, they're all like, man, when you watch this guy fish, he looks like a three-year-old or, or like a third grader. He doesn't know how to cast. His, he's, his technique is terrible. He, he just uses one little jig. He doesn't even change his bait. Like, how is this happening? Yeah. So everybody's pretty suspicious, but nobody ever sees anything. And, and you know, they're watching him, and he's not driving off and going and like stringer and fish up and then going and getting I mean yeah. he's really fishing and he's really catching these fish so he goes to the first FLW tour tournament he's leading after the first day or in the top two or three and then in the second day he has to go to the, after the weigh in or something he has to go to the bathroom he gets away from his partner I guess you can't be out of eyesight from your partner at the weigh in or whatever uh, so they disqualify him okay so then he goes to the next one and after the first day, once again, he's caught the biggest fish of the day, and, and he's catching fish on these lakes that nobody is catching. Like, he caught two six-pounders on this lake where no one was even catching anything that weighed four. So it was, like, really fishy, but they, they're watching. Like, he's not doing anything wrong. What's <laughs> really, going on? Really fishy, yes. <laughs> and so, so then the, as soon as he catches all these fish the first day, 
his co-angler, which is not his partner, but the guy that's on the boat with him, he goes to the tournament director, and he's going, there is no way. There is something that isn't right about this. Yeah. He, there's like, he, he fished, and then all of a sudden we went to this one dock or this one pier, and he flipped his bait like 10 times and caught the whole limit. Like he was catching these big fish like every other cast. Something isn't quite right here. They go, really? And so the tournament people decide, okay, we're, that, that, that doesn't sound right. It sounds weird. So we're going to go investigate this. So they go to that pier, that dock, and they get under the water. And this dude has put a plastic container full of big old fish in the water. Okay. But it's got one of the, it's got a hole in the top uh-huh. to where it, it's almost like a straw, like this, like, like my lid in the straw, okay. where you put it down. But when you pull it up, it closes. Gotcha. So what he's doing is he's flipping his jig down through the little hole, and then he's pulling the fish out, these giant fish. But it's closing and keeping them in there. And he only has to have one bait because they haven't had anything to eat for a week yeah, or yeah. whatever it yeah. is. And so they confront him after the second day. He obviously catches a bunch of fish. They confront him, and, and they're going, that's cheating. And he says, no, it's not. And they said, what do you mean it's not cheating? He said, there is nothing in these rules. There's nothing in this rule book about me planting fish. He goes, you, you guys let people plant brush piles. Yeah. And he said, here's what I did. I had one rod in my hand at a time. I caught him in the mouth, and I caught the limit. And I caught it inside the zones of the lake that we're supposed to be fishing in. So he just, he carefully read the rule book and thought, yes. thought of a loophole, thought of That's a way around he, this. He found a loophole. Now, the story doesn't end well for him because uh, they made him leave and nobody's ever seen him again. But <laughs> No one's ever seen him again? No one's ever seen him again, at least on the... The, the fisherman mafia get him or well, something? Well, at least, at least out in these, at these tournaments. But uh, what a, you know, wow. that, that, that just goes back to... If you can sit there and, and think of that to, to bend or break the rules, yeah. how can you not think of something to go catch fish? Yeah, you're putting that much effort into exactly. breaking or bending the rule. Why not put enough effort into just becoming a good fisherman? Yeah. Yeah, I see what you're saying. And that makes sense. Just be a good fisherman. Just be a good fisherman. <laughs> I mean, he was. He, I mean, he was catching those fish. But, yeah, I wow. thought that was really uh, just the, the ingenuity of criminals or, or cheaters. Yeah. Was on full display there. Yeah, uh, I thought that was a great story uh, that uh, that I heard. And and the the walleye fishing controversy and the cheating is a story that just keeps on giving more and more every single day. So so did they? Now is there a rule that prevents that from oh, happening? I'm, I'm sure you that know, that's. I, what was his name again? <clears throat> they they didn't say the the name of the fisherman. Uh, the guy telling the story was like, well, Randy Blanquette. I mean, he said, all you got to do is do a sim- simple Google search, and you can figure out who the guy was. Well, I got a text from our, from our man, Drew, Tony Christian. Oh, there you go, Tony Christian. Tony. So they call it the Tony Christian rule. Okay. The, the Christian rule. <laughs> See, yeah. The well, Tony Christian rule. And, and, of course, ha, 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 not a Christian-like thing to do there, Tony. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow, that's very, crazy. Very, very interesting. Uh, just the, who would have ever thought about being able to cheat that way and, and – and the good news is, he was actually, in his defense, I guess defense is maybe not the right word, but he was catching those fish. He did everything by the rule book. That's right. 
Except for he just staged yeah, them out just, there. Yeah, that's crazy. All right, it's a big day in Oklahoma High School fall sports, obviously, with the Class A and B Fall Baseball State Championships. State tournament uh, starts today. 3A through A, or through B, excuse me, fast pitch will start today as well. Uh, we've got a keen eye, especially on the Class A fast pitch state tournament with all kinds of representation uh, from Western Oklahoma. Starting at 11 o'clock this morning, Arapo Butler will play Ripley. Uh, you got 4 o'clock, Shattuck and Sterling, and then at 6.30, uh, Canute and Caddo. Uh, so three of those teams um, from Western Oklahoma right here uh, within earshot uh, able to, uh, to have, their, have their go at a Class A state championship. Jared, uh, you did some research. Talk to some people. Canoe, uh, what do you know about Caddo coming into the game uh, today between the Trojanettes and Caddo? Well, defending champs, Caddo, they're stout. They've only lost one game. I believe that was to Tisha Mingo, a, a team out of Class 3A who, by the way, also made the state tournament in that class. So uh, quality loss, if we're going to call them that. And uh, they got a really good pitcher uh, that Caddo does threw a no-hitter, I think it was a nine-strikeout no-hitter in the state championship game last year. She returned, so she's their ace and will obviously be in the circle today. And they have uh, a really good junior who's already committed to OU who can hit the ball really well, I think, hitting around 500, I think, is what we yeah, saw. Yeah, 526. 526. And so that's the matchup. But I've been told that um, – you know, it might have been a little one-sided, uh, leaning one-sided uh, favoritism and bias, I guess. But uh, that what Taylor Butler can bring with her speed and velocity might be the best in this state tournament. Um, of course, she's committed to Oklahoma City University. Uh, she committed a long time ago to play there. and she, she can play at a high level, too. And when she's on, I've seen her pitch. When she's on, she's really tough to hit. And um, then, you know, we heard from Coach Gillette a couple days ago about the intangibles of this particular game is if Knut's bats can can at least put it in play, get some runners on, manufacture some runs, he's really confident in their defense. I talked about Butler, but the defense behind him, Kylie Smith is a fantastic shortstop. Um, right there on the corner, the freshman, Destiny Jackson, she's really good and can get the ball out to first base real quick. And he's, he's feeling really confident about that defense. So I can see a game, um, if things work out right for Knut, I could see a two to nothing, three to two kind of final either way, but things really have to work. Uh, the the bats have to work. They can't come in nervous, and um, you know have to attack that really good pitcher early, get her off her game a little bit, and um, um, we'll see what happens. And you know with the way Canoe's offense has been rolling through this uh, playoff run, uh, that I I don't see any reason why they couldn't at least put bat to ball it, it puts some pressure on Caddo and if they, they can do it early I think they got a chance but that's the key they got to attack that pitcher really early uh, to give themselves a chance so that should be an interesting matchup tonight at 630. Now you're talking uh, from the Oklahoma Emily Robinson is the pitcher uh, last year in the state in the state finals nine strikeout no hitter uh, she's also uh, had her best offensive year of her career uh, .970 ERA in the circle, also hitting 500. You mentioned Katie Lee McKay. She's the junior Sooner uh, OU commit. Um, she's hit 526 with 51 RBI. Uh, J.C. Nichols is a sophomore for Caddo, uh, slap and bunning and hitting. She's hit 533. So, I mean, that's talking about a third of the lineup hitting over 500 uh, for Caddo yeah. coming into this matchup. That's a question that I don't know the answer to, Sam. Uh, Kylie Smith. Offer has she received any offers? You know, for I don't know. I've had that conversation too with others. You know, she's really 
a great athlete on whatever sport she's playing, whether it be cross country, softball, or, or basketball. We've seen her do it on the basketball court for the past three years. Um, but I've the question posed to me was, is, could she go play at the next level softball? I don't see why not. I've seen her make some fantastic plays because of that speed I mentioned. You know, in what Gillette said, and we know this, it's such a fast game because everything's shorter. I've seen a ball uh, hit right up the middle, Kareem off of Butler's glove. She's trying to make the play. It didn't happen. Here comes Kylie Smith already charging, fields it on one hop off of that glove off the ground, and make the throw the first bang, 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 just like that. That all because of speed and athleticism and, and, and being at the right spot. And that impressed me. That opened my eyes. And I was told she's been doing that all season long. I, if I'm a softball coach, I want her. I want her to lead off for me. Because, again, that speed, if you can find oh, a man. way to get her on, she's almost guaranteed going to get to second, possibly third, because she's so lightning quick. So if you put that ball on the ground and in play, more likely than not, she's going to get to first base. So if I'm, a, if I'm a coach at the next level, I'm, I'm, offer, I'm offering her. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, that, that athleticism you just cannot teach. Uh, Class B, you've got Akiba Sickles at 130 against Moss in that fast-pitch state tournament. Uh, we talked to Taylor yesterday, Taylor Varnell, the head coach of the Canute Trojans. Uh, they get going at 11 o'clock against Silo in the Class A fall baseball state tournament. Silo is, man, when you go back, if you want to – if you want to scare yourself, go back and look at the history of silo baseball. Uh, they had a, what, 58 or 59 game winning streak snapped earlier this year by Roth, uh, number one in Class B, who their, their winning streak has to be upwards of 40 right about now because I think they were at 33 that night. Uh, so you're talking about over 90 straight wins on the field uh, that, in, in one game that night earlier in the season. Uh, but uh, the one thing that you got to like about Canute's chances, at least going into the game, is the fact that those guys are not going to be intimidated by any stage because of the success uh, that they've had throughout their entire high school careers. I think Kaysen and, and those guys were freshmen when they won the fall title against Fort Cobb, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, and they were a big part of that. Uh, and they, yeah, and yeah. they weren't just sitting there on the bench. They were, they were big parts of, of the reason why Canute was able to win that game. And I think that experience for them, helping those freshmen along, uh, that that uh, Taylor mentioned yesterday, uh, I'm excited to see. It. You know, they they have a swagger about them and a culture about them mm -hmm. that's not going to be intimidated. And, and in a weird way, I think some of those guys think to themselves, "I want Silo." You know what I mean? Oh yeah, I, I want yeah. them. Which listen, sometimes you what, what you get, you don't you don't like what you ask for, but. As far as just the mental side of that game, I don't think Canute's going to be intimidated whatsoever by the stage or the team that they're going to see out there against them. No, and that's, that's that culture. You can give a lot of credit, obviously, to Gillette for establishing that and those guys that were once freshmen, like you mentioned, all the way seniors now. And, and um, you know, when you expect to see the younger guys on that team to kind of carry that, I guess, tradition now of winning ways and, and that swagger as well. And you see that on them. You see it when they're – when they're playing, you see that swagger, and even when they're down and they hit a home run, and they're still, you're still, you know, pumping their fist and, and trying to maintain that that momentum and swagger. So, yeah, it should uh, that'll be an interesting one at 11 o'clock too over at UConn. Yeah, on the text line, former Trojanette uh, Lily Smith. They, yes, they're up at yes. Edmond Memorial. They're going to be in the 6A state tournament. Yeah, they, Edmond Memorial won there. Uh, regional yesterday. Uh, Russ and Lindsay's daughter uh, Lily, I think uh, Natalie hasn't able to play. Uh, she had a hip surgery, so she's Darn. in her senior year. She's yeah. not able to play, but Lily, a uh, big part of that, uh, from what I've heard, she's fantastic uh, on the softball field. 
sticking with fast pitch, but going down to the regionals. 4A regional today uh, over in Lone Grove is uh, Elk City will be participating in that. Clinton as well. So Lone Grove is the host. Uh, they won District 3. Uh, so the Lone, Gro Lone Grove Lady Longhorns will play Clinton at noon, followed by Elk City and Chickasha's. We talked to Coach Murray yesterday. Uh, that's a game that Elk City's familiar with that opponent. Uh, beat Chickasha 6-1 to one back at the very beginning of the season at the festival held at Elk City. Chickasha's gotten a player back that they didn't have at that point, so uh, we'll see how that goes. But the Elkettes, 2 o'clock against Chickasha. You can watch it on Big Elk TV. If they're able to win, they would move to the 6 o'clock game against the Lone Grove Clinton winner. If they lose, they play right after that at 4 o'clock. Uh, and then, of course, by the end of the day, somebody's going to be one game away uh, from the Class 4A state tournament uh, with two wins down there in Lone Grove. So that'll be fun to watch uh, the real results there. Also, uh, over in Weatherford, Lady Eagles hosting a regional for the first time in about four years. They get Elgin at noon, uh, followed by Plainview and Perkins Tryon. So that's the four-team regional over at Weatherford uh, with the Lady Eagles and Elgin and then Plainview and Perkins Tryon. It's the exact same schedule at noon. The winner will play at 6. The loser will play at 4 o'clock. And then on Paragon TV tonight, a big one. A big game in Class B, District 1. Uh, the opening week of district play uh, with only six teams in the district, five games. So week six through week ten will all be district games uh, there in Class B, District 1. You've got Hollis traveling up to Laverne. We'll have it. Paragon TV, the live video stream, a 7 o'clock kick between the Tigers, uh, both Tigers, Tigers versus Tigers with Laverne and Hollis. Uh, Hollis undefeated so far. They're either number seven or number eight, depending on what poll you look at. Uh, Laverne suffered the only loss they have to, to, sh uh, to a ceiling, excuse me, uh, but they're top five in every poll that you can find in Class B. So a big matchup tonight with Hollis versus Laverne. Check it out on ParagonTV.com, 7 o'clock there uh, for the Battle of the Tigers. Is Hollis for real? About to find out. We're going to find out. You know, that, that district. They, they keep, you know, their schedule lines up where the test gets tougher and tougher, especially with that district, right? But uh, Mountain View, Godibo, that was a non-district game, if I'm not mm -hmm. mistaken. Yeah. Uh, Mountain View was really good last year. They might have dropped off because of graduation, but uh, Hollis goes there a lot of them, Walsam, and they just keep getting better and better. Now there's this next test. Can they, can they defeat a really good Laverne team? Man, here's the crazy part about that district. You've got six teams. For four spots just to start but there's going to be a fantastic team not make the playoffs in that district when you look at the the non-district records turpin five and oh balco forgan four and one hollis four and oh laverne four and one shattuck four and oh mm. and then beaver oh and five so obviously uh, those top five can't afford a loss against beaver at some point yeah uh, but man there, there's going to be a really good team you know look down here at district two Okay, Oklahoma Bible is at the top of some polls yeah, a lot in the of people top like five. That. Yeah, they went and beat ceiling. They're five and zero. Oh, Garber's four and one, and then the rest of the district, four more teams are all losing records. Mm. You know, that's just kind of the the luck of the draw sometimes. Because then down here in District Three, everybody's got a winning record uh, throughout the entire six. So there's going to be some good teams uh, around uh, Class B that are going to end up getting left out of those playoffs. Yeah. Uh, but uh, it's a big game. If Hollis can win this one. Going to Laverne and beating the Tigers on their home field. That's a big notch in Look the Hollis Tigers. What's rest, what's, yeah, I think what's Beaver left? is next. Yeah, at Laverne, then Beaver, then they go to Balco, then they have Shattuck and Turpin back to back weeks to finish the season at Hollis. At Hollis, yeah, you get them at home. So that'll be, uh, and you know what? You'd almost trade out like a road game to uh, Forgan 
Hey, almost. Yeah, could you'd rather go to Beaver. Absolutely. You know, because it looks like either way, it's going to be a win. Yes. And you'd rather. Yeah. Hundred <laughs> percent. Like to have Laverne coming, and you go to Beaver sure. next week. Yeah, exactly. Um, and here's another reason to watch. It's it's eight man. That's if such you've never, a fun, if you've never fast seen it, way of playing. Yeah, check it out. It I, is really. I was neat. trying to explain to Wyatt and Colt yesterday coming back. You know, they were like asking about. Uh, Colt was asking Wyatt about flag football. How many are on the field? And he goes, "Well, five. And Colt's like, "That's weird. There's eleven on the field." You know, I'm like, "Well, not always. There's eight on the field sometimes." And in Texas, there's only six. There's a six. Yeah. And he goes, "Really?" Man. And they were like, "Well, how do you set up?" And they were both like, "Well, I'd put four linemen on defense and just rush the quarterback." I was like, "Oh yeah, who are you covering?" Exactly. We just want to give up a hundred because it seems like fun. <laughs> exactly. That's another yeah, thing. Yeah, got to go man on man. It's it's a faster, almost kind of arena league type. Yeah. Type way of playing. A lot of rushing though. A lot of rushing in eight man. And as we've heard from Perry uh, Thomas at times, uh, asking him about Shattuck's runs, inev- inevitably the team that wins is the best defense, the ones that can actually get some stops mm-hmm. and not just have it be seventy to sixty-five sure. every game. Yeah. As right. fun as those are, I'm an old school guy. Like last week, that 14-12 game was fun for me because each possession got more intense, more intense. Each possession mattered more and more yeah. as the game drawn on. I like defensive battles like that. I like those old school type defensive games. That's why that call at the end that that Coach Maynard made to go for on fourth yeah. and five from yeah. the 46 was such a uh, uh, intestinally fortitude <laughs> call. Uh, to make hanging out at poppy's pit and grill it's at the intersection of highway 152 and highway 6 they're open monday through wednesday from 6a to 2p then on thursday through saturday all day long 6 a.m to 8 p.m so you can get dinner out here thursday through saturday and then after church the lunch crowd can come down to poppy's 11 to 2 on sundays they serve it all breakfast lunch and dinner today's lunch specials a couple of specials you got grilled pork chops with two of their classic sides. What are classic sides, you ask? Well, it's baked beans, baked potato, brown beans, coleslaw, green beans, mashed taters, hand-cut fries, okra, and potato salad. All the good stuff there uh, with those uh, grilled pork chops. Or if you're feeling a little bit of a Mexican flair this afternoon, pulled pork tacos, brown beans, and their homemade peach salsa. Those are the couple of the specials that are on the docket here for lunch at Poppy's Pit and Grill uh, today. Uh, give them a call for some uh, takeout. 580-339-1258 is the phone number down here at Poppy's. Uh, see some guys right in front of us enjoying some looks like delicious breakfast. They've got omelets. They've got some different uh, breakfast plates. Uh, if you're a guy that wants uh, some biscuits and gravy, you can do that. Uh, you can have a breakfast burger, breakfast burrito, toaster, all, all the fixings uh, here at Poppy's Pit and Grill for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. All right, Jared. Is it just me, or does it feel like with last week's demolition of the Oklahoma Sooners by the TCU, TCU Horn Frogs that the, the Red River shootout has lost a little bit of luster, at least in these parts, uh, from what we thought it might be just a couple of weeks ago? Yeah, both teams coming in with a combined four losses and in unranked. Sure, yeah. I mean, usually this game means uh, whoever wins has the inside track to a Big 12 title. Um, it's been like that for a very long time, even when Texas was assumed to be down. It was, this game's still early enough in the season where if they were to pick up this uh, win over OU that they, they could really springboard their season. Same thing could be said about OU. Yeah, this year it just seems like it's lost its luster, but the it's still a rivalry. The hate is still there. We're seeing still the trash talk is still there. 
uh, on, from both fan bases, both sides. So, you know, come kickoff time, there's still going to be interest, at least locally, in Austin and Norman and Texas and Oklahoma uh, for that game. But as far as what it means moving forward for the season, yeah, it's lost a lot of luster. And you can only blame the two teams that just lost a couple games. Yeah, it's the first time since 1998 that both these teams come into this matchup unranked. Uh, so it's been a rarity uh, in a situation like this. <coughs> you know, think back even to two, the 2020 season, uh, Oklahoma, a similar path to where they've gotten themselves right now with a couple of uh, conference losses back-to-back -back heading into this game. That year was Kansas State, Iowa State. This year it was Kansas State, TCU. In 2020, Oklahoma was able to win that, what, four-overtime game uh, and, and springboard them back into what ended up being a Big 12 title season. It's hard to imagine with the way that we've seen the Sooners play right now that that's a possibility. And back in 2020, they got the big lead on Kansas State, kind of fumbled it away. Then they went to Iowa State, played pretty well in a loss versus what we've seen the last two weeks defensively. So here's what I want you to do, Jared. I want you to paint me a scenario in which Oklahoma is in this game throughout the entirety of the 60 minutes of football down inside the Cotton Bowl well, on the Saturday. The scenario is going to have to be one, come out, <clears throat> come out inspired, come out not wanting to lose a third game in a row if you're OU. Um, and that starts with the coaching staff. Can they get, get them inspired and, and ready to go mentally too? Are they physically prepared? Are they going to be lined up right and all that stuff? And and the, the scenario would be at least I'll start on offense for OU. And really I'm looking at Texas defense. Are they prepared to take on, or are they prepared for whatever quarterback that's under center? And we we don't even know who that is, and we probably won't know until moments before the game. Um, you know, are they prepared for Nick Evers or, or whoever it may be? Um, that's that's a scenario that that could be uh, in favor of OU. Um, so there's that, and then defensively. You know, just get back to playing the way that chaos defense, as it was described after they played Nebraska. I know Nebraska was horrible, but the way OU looked, the way they got a few, you know, they gave up that opening drive touchdown, but then they adjusted and they were, again, chaos. And that swagger and that confidence just grew and grew and grew. You know, get in the right spot, create a lot of havoc in the backfield. And it, really a scenario for OU to have a chance in this game is, Maybe get Texas off the field after their first two or three possessions, and then that believe, like mentioned this in last week's football game, uh, Elk City Clinton game, that believe factor starts to uh, play play into the game. You know, it kind of okay, we got them off the field again, and then the offense, well, oh, okay, we got three, we're up on them, three nothing. Oh, we got them off the field again. Oh, let's go score again, and then that believe, you know, that's a scenario where, you know, I guess I just described an upset. You know, that's what that's what it's going to take, stuff like that. But it's all key on, on the start of the game. If uh, Texas gets the football, drives down the field, scores, here we go again if you're OU. Yeah, I, th I think the setting of this game kind of lends itself to to giving OU a better chance than what, a lot, what it would be, heck, even in Norman, quite honestly. It's just such a unique setting, and, it, and it's such a, a different feel <clears throat> on the floor of that Cotton Bowl arena with the, the State Fair going on, obviously the 50-50 split. And it's one of those games, if you've never been there, first off, if you're a sports fan and you've never been uh, to the Cotton Bowl on the second Saturday in October uh, to see an Oklahoma and Texas game, it is an absolute must bucket list thing because 
every single snap. You, you've never been to a football game like this because every single snap, somebody is going nuts. Yeah. Nuts. Yeah. And, and if you're on the, the OU side, you can, you can feel – like, you can feel the sound before you can hear it, right? Yeah. Uh, coming from the other way. I mean, you can see the hands in air before you actually hear the roar of the crowd uh, when Texas does something good. And on the other side, obviously, it's the same way with Oklahoma and then all the pageantry. It's just but, – but that setting, I think, lends itself into some of these games. And, and I know OU fans are down in the dumps, and quite frankly, as they might should be because of the way they've played. But at the same time – just look at the results of this particular game on the other side. Ought to give you a little bit more hope than you think you have. <clears throat> right. I mean, for goodness sakes, a Texas team that went 5-7 and seven beat an Oklahoma team quarterback by Baker Mayfield back in 2015 that made it into the college football playoff. Right. In 2013. You're talking Dicker, the kicker year, right? Dick, no, no, that, no, that, no was that was 2018. That was against excuse Kyler me, Murray. Excuse me. Thank you. That was actually I'm a decent sorry. Texas team that made it to the, to the Big 12 title game. Right. In, t- in 2015, they were 5-7. and seven, Charlie Strong. And they beat Oklahoma with Baker Mayfield. In 2013, I don't even remember who the quarterback It was Case McCoy. Case McCoy was down there. Texas was terrible. And they, run, they, they ran OU out of the gym that day. Uh, with Blake Bell at the quarterback for uh, for Oklahoma, and then of course eighteen uh, was that year that, uh, that that Murray led the spirited comeback that that Dicker kicked the field goal to beat Oklahoma. I was there in two thousand nine in a similar situation as this right here. You didn't know if Brad weren't sure about Bradford's health, right? Right. Texas is a team. They're way better. That Texas team is way better than this one. That eventually played Alabama in the national title game. Oklahoma had every chance to win that game, even as Bradford got knocked out about the second series. They still were able. But you know what a, a lot of the, all those have in common? The team that wasn't supposed to be in the game played great yep. defense. Yep. It wasn't that they scored a whole bunch of points. They played great defense, kept the game close, and, and as, the, as the day wore along, just more and more pressure mounted on the team that was the favorite. I think I keep going back to the question for me is health for OU. Who's going to be on the field to play offense and defense? There's a lot bang, a lot were banged up uh, leaving Fort Worth. Obviously, it starts with Gabriel, but others too. You know what? What's the personnel going to look like? Are you going to have to go two or two or three deep? Are they going to get some guys back? And, and Venables is, is very coy with it as he should be. It's a big rivalry game, and you've seen that with. Uh, Coaches going way back to uh, shoot Switzer's days, even be before that. They don't want to give too much to the opponent, especially this opponent. So we won't know until kickoff. We just won't know. Well, that's another thing. Uh, <clears throat> you know, how many, how many unknown guys and unknown young guys have become legends for a fan base because of this game? That is the thing about this game. There's always that one guy you just don't – like – He's the guy. You remember that? though? that's the game. That dude recovered the fumble or the muffed punt. Well, who was that? Winchester? Who was that? Stuff like that. There's always that one guy that just stands out, makes that one game-changing play that seals the deal. Gerard Hurd beat <laughs> Oklahoma. <laughs> yeah. And 2015. Who in the world is Gerard Hurd? So I mean, that, Drake Stoops kind of made his name with this game, catching bit. the overtime uh, touchdown pass. There's no doubt that Texas has, in my opinion, the best skill guys in the, in the, in the league. 
Um, when you go from Worthy and Whittington on the outside, uh, Jatavian Sanders, the tight end, is just a monster out there that's kind of coming to his own a little bit. And then everybody knows about Robinson. I don't know if it's going to be Card or yours. It feels like it's going. To, it feels like the momentum is for it to be yours. You know what? I, yeah, we saw him play a nice quarter and a half or whatever against Bama. You know who else has never stepped foot on that Cotton Bowl floor? Quinn Ewers. True. So as much as Oklahoma doesn't have anybody, Texas doesn't. You know, Card has been there, hasn't played, but he's been there type of thing so you know this is a new experience and and i know the the sooner fans are down in the dumps completely after what happened uh, the last two weeks but at the same time this isn't vince young texas this isn't colt mccoy texas okay <laughs> this isn't those juggernauts uh, of years past when oklahoma was kind of down and and they go went into this game against that team it's not that it's just not right and i'm going to tell you something this the pressure on Steve Sarkeesian is off the charts high because if he can't go down there in the Cotton Bowl on Saturday and beat this Oklahoma team, when in the hell is he ever going to win this game? Yeah, is he in a no-win situation? Kind of. I mean, if he beats this hey, team, you, you finally say, beat yeah, him, but you, you beat that version, yeah. especially if yeah. Oklahoma doesn't have the guys uh, that, that doesn't have a bunch of guys play because right. of injury. You right. know, it, it, it's, it really is kind of a bad spot for him. And in, and in a loss – your third loss of the season already, three and three after six. In a season with high, high expectations. That's there, there were uh, high there's a lot, yeah. a lot of pressure. So I know how bad Oklahoma's looked. I know how bad they've looked, but at the same time, a lot of the intangibles that have been on Texas's side for the last decade or so are actually kind of on the OU side this time, with with all the pressure uh, being squarely on the Longhorns because there's absolutely no way they're supposed to lose this game uh, to the Sooners on Saturday. Let's go up to Stillwater, uh, Oklahoma State and Tech. You know, I was looking at the season, uh, the uh, series this morning. Does it not feel like this has been a decently even series over the last 15 years or so? Feels that way. Yeah, it's not. Oklahoma State's won 11 of 13. I, th- I guess maybe we're getting back into the, you know, the early 2000s with the back and forth, uh, back and forth nature of this game. But OSU 11 of 13 over Tech. Um, this isn't going to be the Tech team that you're used to seeing offensively. Joey McGuire has brought a lot more uh, of a run-based style, and I think that benefits Oklahoma State a ton. You know, coming off that win against Baylor last week on the road, this is a this is a bad spot for OSU uh, as far as letdown potential against Texas Tech, but they're at home. And then also, I think the matchup is really good for the OSU defense versus the Tech offense because Tech is going to want to run it, and the front seven of OSU has been fantastic. The question marks are in the back end, not the front end. Yeah. If anybody is anticipating a shootout, don't. I don't think it's going to – I think I don't think we're going to have a shootout. I think OSU's defense is going to shut them down, and OSU's offense is going to do what they've done all year so far to this point. It's interesting you say that because over the past, I don't know, oh, probably out of the last eight meetings in Stillwater, I didn't write down every score. But here are some of the scores uh, since back at about 2004 or 5. 50 to 44, 45 44, 45 35, 49 45, 51 49. So the, in Stillwater, this game has been a shootout more times than not. But I think you're right. I think with the way Oklahoma State's defense has kind of come into their own, the matchup they have against Tech, you know, Tech, when they throw the ball, it's not pretty. They can run it. 
They got a couple of really nice running backs. Sure, Roderick Thompson, uh, Thompson, one of those guys. But that plays into the hands of Oklahoma State, I think, with Daniels coming downhill from the safety spot. Mason Cobb looks pretty good, replacing Malcolm Rodriguez, and we all know about the guys on the front line for OSU. I think you're right. I think Oklahoma State's defense is is set up to stop what Texas, what Texas Tech likes to do. Side note, side question, I guess. This is a question we've kind of posed to each other off here. Who is OSU's rival going to be once OU and, and Texas leave? I think it's Tech. I used to say Houston because Tech, or OSU's had good uh, recruiting success in the Houston area, and Houston might not like that, or maybe that can turn into a rivalry. I think it's going to be Tech because they're, they're kind of similar in culture and at one time offense. Now you mentioned what Tech's doing on offense now. I think, And then we've had some fun games between them. I, th- I think they don't like each other. Well, and they can't decide who came up with guns up or pistols firing right, first. Right. So there's always that yeah. argument between the OSU and the Texas Tech fans. It's like the play like a champion sign controversy. Who came up with it first? <laughs> who came up with guns up first? Well, I have a feeling pistols good, good will fire. Good question for the text line. <laughs> pistols, pistols will fire just enough uh, or, or more than enough. Oh, I think it's going to. For the Cowboys I coming up on Saturday. I don't think OSU will have any trouble. Wrapping it up for a Thursday uh, here with some college football talk. Thank you to Poppies uh, for for allowing us down here. Uh, once again, their lunch spe- lunch special coming up today: grilled pork chops with two sides, or some pulled pork tacos, brown beans with homemade homemade peach salsa, all kinds of other great goodies down here at Poppies. They serve uh, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. It's at the intersection of Highway 152 and Highway 6, just south of Elk City. All right, around the country, Jared. Um, I mean, how fast? Would I have gotten kicked off the radio if I would have told you on, say, August the 21st that, Jared, college game day on October the 8th is not going to be in Dallas. It's not going to be in Tuscaloosa. No, 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 no. It's going to be in Lawrence, Kansas, for an undefeated matchup between the Kansas Jayhawks and the TCU Horned Frogs. I would have laughed. What kind, of, I would have, I would what kind of money? Of what kind of money could I have made on that? The Probably odds against that a lot had of to have been yeah. hundred to one. I wonder easily. If, I wonder if there is a, a, a you can go to Vegas and bet on where game day is going to be. You each probably have Saturday. to do it online, but I bet there is a way I to wonder. do it. No, I would have laughed at you. I would have. Um, I made fun of you for a few minutes, and I would have thought about it and go, okay, well that means OU Texas are probably unranked and have some losses to this point. Uh, either Alabama or A and M is not having a, such a good season and. And obviously, Texas or uh, Kansas and TCU would have to have great seasons. So, yeah, there's a scenario for anything you could throw. You know, next week, who knows? I mean, next week, game day could be at uh, the Rose Bowl for a UCLA game without looking at their schedule. I don't know if that's even in place. But I'll tell you where it's going to be next week here shortly. Okay. We talk about other games. I was attempting to make a joke, and then nobody would show up to the Rose Bowl. Oh. Well, they, could watch, be there. they could be there this watch week. Watch a 6-0 UCLA team. Yeah, they, but they ought to be there this week to watch them play Utah. They should, but they won't. <laughs> they won't. They'll probably be at a preseason Lakers game before that one. But, no, it's I would have laughed at you, but there's always a scenario for everything. But that's where it's at. I think they should have been. I really think they should have been to Kansas-Duke to start things. But – I'm glad they held out because this game probably means more. Obviously, it does. It's a conference game between two hundred teams. Two ranked teams. Ranked um, teams. Yeah. Heck, just telling you that TCU and Kansas would have been ranked 
uh, is pretty incredible. But, yeah, uh, TCU, I, in my opinion, and this could just be the um, a little bit of recency bias from what happened last week. Kansas fortunate to beat Iowa State. Yeah. Iowa State missed some field goals um, and really kind of shut that KU offense down in the second half. We saw what TCU did to the Sooners. Maybe some recently recency bias a little bit on my side, but it feels like this is the week that the KU bubble bursts. But sometimes teams just have a swagger. We've mentioned that in a in a, just a team of destiny. Sometimes teams just find a way to win no matter what. Just find a way, whatever it takes. Some, doesn't it feel like that about Kansas? No. They just find a way. No, here's why. Because every time we think, oh, this is the week they're going to lose. You know, I know it's early. But this, oh, yeah, this the bubble's going to burst. This is it. And then we look at the score, and, oh, wow, they won. So, I don't know. I could see them winning. You know the sure last time could. Kansas went 5-0? and Man, Gino year, I'm guessing. 2009. Yeah. You know what their record was at the end of the season? Uh, five and five and seven. seven. You're exactly yeah. right. They won their first five and lost their last yeah, seven. I'm not that. saying that that's going to happen, but I I think Kansas uh, they'll have a tough time with TCU. Farmageddon is this week. Yeah, Iowa State and K and uh, Kansas State. It's in Ames, right? It's in Ames. Cyclones have won three of four, but before that, Kansas State won the ten straight. Uh, so a little bit of a run here for Iowa State of success that they haven't had. Watch out. To the Wildcats. This is a game that I can see Matt Campbell and the boys getting up for and winning. Yeah, I could too. But I've, I was impressed with Kansas State, obviously how they beat OU, and then to turn around and not have a hangover and, and beat uh, that Texas Tech team we talked about. Um, so I could see it the other way too. I think coach versus coach will be fun. Yeah, and I, th- I think Iowa State's defense, it will be a difference. Uh, they were impressive um, in that second half against, against a Kansas offense that nobody had been able to stop. Uh, they really did a good job of limiting Kansas. Uh, I don't think that they're just going to let Adrian Martinez run up and down the field like the Sooners did. So give me, uh, I think Iowa State has a good chance to win. Here's an interesting phenomenon, Jared. Big game in the SEC is Tennessee on the road at LSU, uh-huh. number eight versus number 25. Do you have any idea what Tennessee's schedule is in the month of October? No. Tennessee? No. Tennessee. So have, last week. they have a, go ahead. Last week, they beat number 20 Florida on their home field. Okay. They go to LSU this week. They host number one Alabama next week. All right. They get the break with UT Martin the 22nd. Then the last week of October, they host number 13 Kentucky. Then the first week of November, they go to Athens to take on number two, Georgia. Here is why that's interesting to me. Who is the coach at Tennessee? Well, that'd be Mr. Josh Heupel. What year is this for his coaching tenure at Tennessee? Two. Year two. So could this be the orange October, October <laughs> for the Tennessee volunteers that catapults them back into the national consciousness the way that he did as the quarterback at Oklahoma is, back is, in 2000 with Red October? The sleeping giant that once was Tennessee awakened by Heupel, just like he awoke OU back in 2000? That's a good question. That's good. I'm high on Tennessee. I like Tennessee a lot. I hope they win this week because I can't wait to watch them play Alabama. Yes. Yes. Those were, those were fun. When both those teams are good, those were some fun matchups. And that, I think Bama, if, you, if they have a weakness defensively, it's in the back end. Tennessee is a team that will have a chance to exploit that. That 
on yep. Rocky Top next week. That's where game day will 100% yeah, be. Yeah, you're right. You're if right. both of those teams win this week uh, with Tennessee hope, hosting Alabama and what would be a top 10 matchup. And that schedule, that schedule is at least ranked team-wise when you look through there and five out of their next six, that's murderer's row yes, right through is. the middle of the SEC. Uh, good teams. Also a team that both of us lost in our top 10 this week. Uh, one loss, Utah. Utah facing, uh, speaking of another resurgent, UCLA so far, uh, Dorian Robinson-Thompson at the quarterback. I can't believe he's still there. You saw him when he was – I mean, that, that, that feels like ages ago that you were I've out there. I've seen him twice. I saw him when he came to Norman, right? He was That's the right. quarterback. He was there against Kyler. Yep. And, and then up Pasadena when I went. Yeah. Yeah, and he looked good against Washington. Was it last Friday that late game got home? Mm-hmm. And that's think, think, they think it wasn't even in halftime yet when I got home. So I, lost, I watched a good majority of that, and then that play that went viral where he just kind of slides two defenders into the end zone. Is it coming together for him? Is this, a, is this the year he's playing up to a Chip Kelly level, which right. is finally what Chip Kelly has seen in this guy? We'll see. But that game at Utah at UCLA, we'll see what happens, see if anybody shows up. Uh, in the stands, probably not. Uh, but I'll tell you what will show up, Utah and defense. Yep. Uh, Utah's defense is one of those – just year after year, an underrated group that people finally figure out how good it is at the end of the season when they're in the top five of every defensive ranking and you finally get to see them uh, play a game like this at 2.30 uh, on Fox coming up on Saturday. So that's just kind of around the country. Here's some interesting numbers uh, as we go. i leave you from Poppies. I looked up some game of the year prices. What that means is game of the year lines in the preseason versus what they are right now. Okay. In college, in college football. football. Okay. So in the preseason, Alabama, Texas A&M, you could have got Alabama minus 17. Right now, that line is 24. Yeah. Okay. Iowa State in the preseason against Kansas State was a one-point favorite. Now the Cyclones at home, a two-point underdog. And then down in the, uh, down in the Cotton Bowl, if you had to bet Oklahoma before the season, they were a three-and-a-half-point three favorite, excuse me, right now. A touchdown underdog. Right. Just a, it's an incredible line movement. That's why you play them, man. You never uh, know. Incredible line movements from just uh, in, in a month and a half time uh, out in Vegas with the betting lines. Yep. All right, that'll wrap it up on a Thursday. Thank you so much to Poppy's Pit and Grill down here, Highway 152 and Highway 6. They've got breakfast. They've got lunch. They've got dinner. One more time, the lunch special today, grilled pork chops with two sides or pulled pork tacos with brown beans and homemade Peach salsa. We'll be back in studio tomorrow. It'll be Garrison Financial Friday. Scott's going to be with us. I'm sure we'll talk OU Texas. Get ready for the high school football night as well. Don't forget Hollis, 7 o'clock, Paragon TV. Everybody have a great day. You've been listening to the Skinny on Sports podcast with Aaron Cow. Be sure to hit that subscribe button to get alerts of when the latest podcast is available. Thanks for listening. That ball is blistered.